Hi, this is Nick Forster. We're going to share one of our favorite E-Town shows from the archives, and it starts right now. From E-Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's a special two-part E-Town program featuring Che Appalachia from Argentina and beyond, our interview guest, Casey Culberson Alvarado, and from Brooklyn, New York, Aoife O'Donovan. I'm Helen Forster. Right now, please join me, if you would, in welcoming our host, Nick Forster. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to E-Town. Thanks to Che Appalachia for helping us with our Opening theme this week, our, our, uh, our all-acoustic, wild international version of our opening theme. Um, so this week we are reaffirming our commitment to a simple truth that music is both a universal language and is a critical connector across boundaries and borders at a time when we really, really need those connections. We are definitely in this together, folks, especially if you're talking about big issues that concern us all. This week, we've got musical flavors that come together and cross-pollinate from lots of different places, from uh, Europe and Ireland and Argentina and Mexico and the southern U.S., and it actually all fits. It all works together beautifully, as you're about to find out. Uh, che Apaleche is here from Argentina to play some international uh, original bluegrass music. They'll be up uh, before too long, but first... Uh, our pal Aoife O'Donovan is here to share some music from her latest project. This is one that includes a few tunes from uh, more typical sources, but features music that she and her friend Jeremy Kittle have developed around the poetry of the late poet laureate from the state of Oregon, uh, Peter Sears. And they're kind of moody, uh, dreamy, inviting uh, poems, but beautiful string arrangements. And uh, Jeremy, with help from some, some local standout players, is here. Um, and it's, we like to call the local, the local string players the free-range quartet. <laughs> Just uh, because, but, but the, the, the faces and the instruments change from time to time, but we've got them with us. Um, and it's all going to start right now. Would you please welcome back to E-Town, Aoife O'Donovan. Thanks, Nick. We'll come out in waves here. We'll just have a, just Jeremy first. And we'll do um, an old folk song for you guys. It was on a bright March morning I bid New Orleans adieu Took the road to Jackson Town, my fortune to renew. I cursed all foreign money, no credit could I gain, and it filled my heart with longing for the lakes of Pontchartrain. I stepped on board a railroad car in the early morning sun. Roll the rails to leave me And I laid me down again All strangers here, no friend to me Till 
money here, it's no good. If it weren't for the alligators, I'd sleep out in the woods. You're welcome here, kind stranger. Our house, it's very plain, but we never turned a stranger out on the lakes on your train. Me to her mummy's house, and she treated me quite well. The hair upon her shoulders and jet black ringlets fell. To try and paint her beauty, it surely be in vain. So charming was my Creole girl on the lakes of Pontchartrain. I asked her if she said that can never be She had got a lover and he was far at sea She promised that she would wait for him and faithful he'd remain Till he returned to his Creole girl in the lakes of Pontchartrain Get ready here to play uh, the first song from the suite Nick was talking about, Bullfrog's Croon. This one is called Night Fishing. Close my eyes for the world 
Wow, that was pretty. Thanks, Nick. Um, Do I sit here? Yeah, go ahead. Um, and, and if I'm not mistaken, that was about fishing at night, fishing in the dark. It was about fishing in the dark, about sitting all by yourself and loving that feeling. That sounds like an unusual source of inspiration for a piece of music because it sounds so complete, kind of solitary and alone and... and you know, beautiful. It's the amazing thing about setting poems to music is that they weren't, they weren't supposed to be songs. They were just right. poems. So, but then I, I stole them. Yeah. So Peter Sears is the poem is the poet you were you're drawing this material from. Did you were you inspired by his words or did you meet him? What happened first? Well, uh, it was it actually started with a commission. Um, Jeremy and I were asked to put together a piece of music for the Brit Festival out in Oregon. We were working with the great conductor Teddy Abrams who. 
Um, people might know from his recent collaboration with Jim James. He just did an epic orchestral record with Jim James. Anyway, he asked us to come to this, this piece for the Brit Festival. He suggested we try to find some sort of local tie-in. And right. he said, how about the Poet Laureate of Oregon? Yeah. That... And um, lo and behold, I got a book of Peter Sears poems and was absolutely floored, um, really from the first couple of ones I read. Set them to music. We met Peter. He came to the premiere of the piece. He passed away a couple of years later, unfortunately, but, yeah. but not before another beautiful connection, which is that um, at the time I was writing this, I was on tour with Mary Chapin Carpenter. And I was telling her this kind of, oh, I'm working on this piece. I was opening for her and she's uh, such a mentor to me. And she just burst into tears and she said, he was my English teacher in high school. Oh, so wow. it just had this, the whole thing just, just felt like it was meant to be. Well, t two things. One is, I'm assuming that it was, I assume there was a commission involved because otherwise it would be an incredibly audacious and ambitious thing for someone like you to do now at this stage in your life, considering you were, you know, uh, a new mother and you tour with, I'm with her and you've got all these projects and stuff. So this is a big, big deal, first of all. Well, thank you. <laughs> and, and second of all, it must have been really interesting for Peter to hear this sort of, um, the, the words and, and essentially the soundtrack to this solitary experience suddenly be celebrated by a full orchestra with 121 pieces. It, and, exactly. You it's, know. it's wild. You know, but, but that, that song is sort of the opening of, the, of three poems I, I picked. I picked three poems, and they are standalone songs, as they are standalone poems. But when we premiered the piece, we did that song into another very different song that you'll hear shortly called The Darkness. And it kind of just really... To me, the whole thing just encompasses like the human experience, the human journey. You have to be comfortable with yourself and with your solitude to find love at the end, I think. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. I mean, if you don't, um, you know, being alone is underrated in the human experience. <laughs> Not to me. I rate it very highly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some people handle it so differently, though, right? Yeah, I suppose you're right. I think I'm, I'm the oldest of four kids, and I'm always around a lot of people, so... You, you value it when you can find it. When somebody says, fly to Colorado for 24 hours and get off the plane and do a show and then fly home the next morning and I'm like, I'll get to be in a hotel room by myself. So this is, <laughs> I'm in. That's pretty cool. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's so flattering. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't care less about us, just those few hours of solitude can in the I hotel leave room. Now? Okay, fine. I can take it. Yeah. Hey, um, so we've got some international flair on our program this week. We've got the folks, um, Che Apalache from, uh, from Argentina, and then we're, we've got some other conversations going on about that. And I, um, I can't forget that you very specifically have maintained a deep connection to your ancestral roots. As a kid, you used to go back to Ireland every summer and spend some time and meet your family. Right? Yeah, and I, I still do. Um, I still go to Ireland at least once a year and as a mother, I've been thinking a lot about how important it is to maintain those connections and how much of a gift it was for my parents to take four kids every summer to Ireland, really for the, the sole reason of being close to our cousins and being yeah. close to our grandparents. And it was an incredible gift, and I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. I'm hoping to do the same with my daughter. In case you just tuned in, you're listening to E-Town. I'm here with Aoife O'Donovan. Did you ever, I mean, just if you think back to those times, especially early on, did you ever feel like you were sort of an outsider in both places? Like you're in Ireland, but you're an American and some of the language and some of the tradition and some of the culture is other than, and then you're back in Boston. And of course, being Irish in Boston is sort of like being <laughs> Irish in Ireland. 
Uh, that is true. I think it less, I, I less felt like an outsider here in America because, you know, I'm right. so American. My mom is so American. But the, the main thing when I was a kid is, is uh, in going to Ireland, our, my Irish cousins would always comment on how loud we were. We were the loud <laughs> Americans. And like, it's just unfortunate that that was, it was true. It still is true. And, and yeah. Americans are still very loud in foreign countries. Yeah. But I just, I really remember as, as even a very small kid, like, ah, you're so loud. <laughs> Would you ever be quiet? <laughs> Did you ever mix up words or, or get things wrong and then feel like you were, you know, I suppose you would learn. You would learn quickly if there was some local, local slang that you didn't understand. Yeah, I'm trying to think, what's the thing? Um, he's a jolly good fellow. I, I always say, and so say all of us. And so say right. all of us. But, and then every time I do that here, like, I don't what? even, they're like, what are, no, and nobody can deny. Yeah. Little things like that, but I do it the Irish way. Yeah. And I drive on the left always. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Note to self, never let Aoife drive. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I love the fact that the music, of course, is a great connector. It kind of breaks down all those boundaries and borders. It really does. And music is, I mean, such an important thing for my entire family. And uh, one of the songs actually on the EP is, is an old Irish folk song that I first heard my Uncle James singing in, in pubs around Ireland. Not around Ireland, but I mean, like, you know, the local pub. Yeah. And we would have sing songs. Yeah. Well, I, th I love the fact that you can draw from so many different sources. And that leads us back to this sort of ethereal, magical um, string arrangements that, that um, you and Jeremy have created. Um, really, really a beautiful sound and, and a different thing, along, of course, with the free-range strings helping out. Yes, um, yeah, Ludek and Paul and Stephanie are just doing such an amazing job on very little rehearsal. We're very impressed. Yeah. And is this going to be a flavor that's, that's going to be a sort of defining characteristic for your touring for the next little while? or? Yeah, we're, I'm heading out on the road um, with, with uh, a group. Alex Hargraves is going to play violin and great violist from New York, Mario Goto, and Ethan Yochevitz right. on bass. Oh, that's great. And then uh, what about the 121-piece orchestras? Are you going to tap into that from time I, to time? I'm going to tap into that from time to time, yes. Once, uh, it's really hard to, to justify having your own hotel room in that scenario, so right. I, I couldn't, couldn't really pull it <laughs> off this time. <laughs> It's a very legit career path, though. I just want to <laughs> ma mention, you know, for somebody who was in, um, of course, Goat Rodeo was kind of legit for a little while. And there, we're right? coming back. Goat Rodeo we're, is? We are. Should you explain and remind to our, our, our audience exactly who's in that band? It, Goat Rodeo is a, is a project. I'm the guest vocalist in. It's a band with Chris Thiele, Edgar Meyer, Stuart Duncan, and then this other guy, I don't know, Yo-Yo Ma. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. Got a lot of name recognition there. Yeah. Um, no ego on the road on that, on that bunch. <laughs> All right, well, good luck finding solitude in your future. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, let's get back to music. Welcome back, if you would, along with her buddies, Aoife O'Donovan. Thanks, Nick. Give us a minute to tune up here. We'll do the, the sort of final two pieces of the suite. The first one is called The Darkness, and then it'll end with a song called Valentine. Say you're out for a walk 
Bullfrogs cry. 
Beautiful strings, everybody. Thank you. Yifo Donovan. The record's called Bullfrog's Croon, out on Yep Rock Records, along with Jeremy Kittle. And the free-range strings, Ludek, Wojtkowski, Stephanie Mienka, and Paul Earhart. This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. And if you're curious about E-Town's home base, E-Town Hall, our beautiful solar-powered music venue, community center, and recording studio, located in downtown Boulder, Colorado, you can learn more about it on our website, etown.org. If you happen to tune in late and you've missed some of this week's program, the E-Town Podcast will have this episode and others, along with content from past shows as well. It'll be available for free in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, and other podcast directories. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. You're listening to E-Town. Coming up, Che Apalache is here from Buenos Aires. Amazing uh, group of international players. Two from Argentina, one from Mexico, one from here in the States. But first, every week, uh, we get a chance to share a story of somebody who is doing something special in their hometown or beyond. Generally, these are volunteers or sometimes they're uh, business people or or authors or, or science folks. This week, we have a great story about community building in Tennessee that started small 
and uh, really grew into something special. Here comes Helen to tell you more about this week's guest. Thank you, Nick. Back in 2014, Casey Kerberson, Alvarado, and others launched an event that aimed to help people better understand the growing Hispanic community that was drawn to their area because of a surge in manufacturing that began in the early 90s, essentially through a food and music festival. Their goal was to celebrate different cultures and debunk myths about immigrants in a region that can be hostile toward them. Well, in 2018, when a meatpacking plant in nearby Granger, Tennessee, was raided by ICE and 97 undocumented workers were arrested, Casey's group, Ola Lakeway, suddenly became the default resource center for families that were affected by that raid. They've since taken on a lot more responsibility than they ever imagined. It's an interesting snapshot of the larger national immigration issue, and Casey is traveled from her home in Tennessee to be with us to tell us more. So please join me now in welcoming Casey Kerberson Alvarado. Casey, welcome. Welcome to E-Town. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, where you are from, your, your hometown. It's a series of small towns, actually, as Yes. So I'm from a rural community in eastern Tennessee. It's called Morristown, Tennessee. And it is connected by lakes, Douglas Cherokee Lakes. And there's small towns um, around the Lakeway region that connect to us. In my town, there's about 30,000 people. And then around us in the smaller communities, um, we have about 10 to 20,000. And so when we commute all together, we could actually make 100,000 during the day. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I hope you don't do that. In yeah. <laughs> uh, I suspect that in your neighborhood there have been migrant workers in agriculture for a long time. Uh, but I understand that over the last few decades, lots of manufacturers have moved in. Yes. So we have over 108 manufacturers, and 12 of them are Fortune 500 companies. And when you have manufacturers, you need labor. Exactly. And so um, is, that, is that why you started the, the festival, to sort of celebrate some of the diversity that came with that influx of, of um, labor from all over the world? Yes, to celebrate the diversity that's there, the culture, the food, the art. And it's primarily Latino uh, immigrants or Latino community that's, that's providing the labor force in, these, in this manufacturing sector? A large majority, yes. Yeah. And let me ask you a question. If somebody speaks Spanish, does everyone presume that they're from Mexico? They do, yes. And yet, that's probably not the case, right? Not the case at all. We have people from over 15 different countries, a lot of them from Mexico, Guatemala, El Salvador, Peru, um, even Panama. Yeah. And then you became kind of a trusted person in the community, able to go between the, the town and, and this, these, uh, these immigrant um, families, basically, right? Yes, we serve as a partner and a resource. And everything kind of changed when that ice raid happened. Um, yes. In uh, April uh, 5th, it was actually my husband's birthday, we had the ice raid occur at 10 a.m. during the morning there, and it turned our town upside down. Yeah. Um, we had over 97 people detained, um, a lot of them men. And so it affected over 500 students. Um, so, I mean, it was just a, a lot of fear, um, a lot of uneasiness, just where to go and what to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when the men are taken out away from the fa that family unit, um, l losing income and uh, in some cases, probably the women who were left behind, the mothers who were left behind, um, 
aren't used to doing things that their husbands were doing, right? Oh, yes. It's not within their culture. So um, they're at the home and the homemakers. And so a lot of the women we had had low literacy levels. Um, they were unable to drive. Um, they never wow. navigated the system there. And so it was a lot coming at them all at once. And they all called you. Yes. <laughs> um, we had reached out and created actually a, um, a rapid response uh, center that the families could come to. And so the ladies would come and they would meet with us to help us to read things, to translate things, to notarize things, to get materials and resources, whatever they needed, we provided. Yeah. And just to be clear, you have what, a couple staffers and some volunteers? I do. I have two part-time staff uh, people. Um, I myself and I'm a volunteer. And then I have over 10 volunteers that come in. And so it's a tiny little crew and yes. a big, big job. Yes. I probably exhaust them at times. <laughs> <laughs> And, and uh, you decided to raise and distribute money to help along the way, right? And that provided a, a kind of a dividing line in the work you had been doing, right? Uh, yes. Um, people started reaching out to us probably within the first uh, couple of hours of where they could drop off material goods and didn't, uh, also funds. So we set up a GoFundMe. Within 24 hours, we'd raised $30,000. And within a week, we'd raised $120,000. Wow, that's amazing. Very generous. Mostly from the community? Mostly from the community. Um, we used those funds to be, pay legal fees as well as basic uh, needs. So utilities, rents, insurance, um, transportation, whatever the families needed. Yeah, that's amazing. So um, what was the problem? Because it seemed like from what I gathered, there were some people on your board or in your, in your area who were thinking, well, if you're going to raise money and give away money, we were just doing a festival and now we're raising money and giving away money. That's, that's not what we signed up for? Yes. Um, so at the time when we started, I had seven board members. And after the events, um, I had four. Those board members wanted to do, you know, the fun things, the cultural fest, um, the things that, you know, got us a lot of notoriety. But when it came down to the nitty gritty, the, the dirty work, um, they stepped away. Yeah. yeah. But it's more about the work than it is the, the ideology of helping uh, or the idea of helping uh, immigrant families that, that separated those board members from each other? Yeah. It's a pre pretty conservative part of the state. It is. Yeah. And, and just to be clear, most of the laborers who were picked up in that ICE raid, a lot of the work that they were doing is not work that, that um, locals would be drawn to, essentially, yes. right? Um, they're using hand tools to slaughter animals. They're working 10-hour shifts um, with very little breaks and no air conditioning. Yeah. In case you just tuned in, you're listening to E-Town. I'm speaking with Casey Kerberson Alvarado. Uh, so, Casey, now, what kind of services does your organization provide? Um, so we've broadened it out quite a bit. So we provide education services, outreach services, and actual uh, legal services. And how do you do that? Do you hire lawyers? Or do you have lawyers who volunteer through you, or how does it work? Yeah. So we reached out to our local law center. Um, it's a UT Law Clinic, and we're yeah. able to be connected to a couple of lawyers that actually work pro bono. They come in every Saturday and meet with families from 9 to 1. Amazing. And, and how, what if the language barrier must be tough for this in this situation, right? It is. We actually need sometimes translators for the translators because we have people that speak dialects. Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but do you have education for folks if they want to learn English or want to become more literate? Yes. So we provide on uh, Tuesdays nights, we provide English language classes from basic to intermediate, as well as we provide Spanish classes that include some cultural competency. Wow. And I understand there was some hassle with the utility company, right? That 
I, I didn't quite understand what the, just from your website. I was trying to learn about it. but um, So that's originally kind of how we started. We started off with these community meetings and discussions, and we had an issue come up where um, a mother was living in dilapidated housing. And the reason she was living there is because she was actually um, renting someone's social in order to get her lights turned on. And in order to do that, she had to pay $800 in addition to the fees to get her lights turned on. So I worked with a local lawyer. We sat down with the, the, the utilities and actually talked out and discussed with them um, what needs to be able to be changed. What we realized there was a civil rights violation. You could actually use consulate IDs to get your lights turned on. And so what we do is not create like a negative story or any kind of bad publicity, but we actually partnered with them to be able to help accept those documents and get that in place. So now that everyone can use consulate IDs if they have them. For the utility company. For the utility company. Wow, that's great. And I also heard that local law enforcement is now kind of partnering with you rather than sort of keeping a keep an eye on, an oh, eye yeah. on you. Yes. So we have, we're at a first name basis. We're always in contact <laughs> of things that are going on. When we had our last festival, there was a lot of issues uh, in the current administration. So they provided us additional four officers just to protect us. And usually you'd have to pay out of pocket for that. Yeah. And they provide that for free for us. And so aside from the dollars that the community kicked in for your GoFundMe, uh, are they contributing other things? Because obviously there must be a lot of need in these households yes. when they're losing their income earners. Um, so we have material goods. We've actually partnered with another nonprofit to house those. Um, but we use the families can come in and get a food voucher or a voucher for um, hygiene items. Um, and we're constantly receiving those on a weekly basis. Yeah. And so how would you describe the situation now? Do you feel like people feel like they are heard and they've got somebody who's on their side and your message is getting through to most of these communities and most of these families? Um, Yes, I I believe that we're providing a voice um, for the community, as well as educating those that are unaware of the difficulties and the barriers that our immigrant community faces. Have you changed some minds, some hearts and minds in your neighborhood? Oh, I definitely think so. Um, Many a times we saw, especially during the raid, people will step in and bring in donations and said, you know, um, I voted you know, I'm Republican, and I did not know exactly what the immigration policies were, but I didn't know that, that it was this, yeah. and they apologize for that. Wow, that's a big deal. Um, tell me about the upcoming census. Is that a thing that you're working on? Because I know for some people there, there's concern, particularly in the immigrant communities, about whether or not they should step up and get counted. Yes. Um, so in the, in the community, there was a lot of fear about the question that was asking about citizenship. Um, we know that legislation didn't pass through, and so that question is not going to be on there, but it hasn't actually, that education hasn't flowed into the immigration community. So we're actually working with our local government and an agency called Tennessee Immigrants and Rights and Refugee Coalition to educate um, about yeah. the census. And then a couple more things, and then and I'll, I'll wrap it up. But I just, I want to ask you about... Uh, first of all, do you ever sort of stop and think, God, what did I get myself into? I just wanted to do a festival that was food and music and sort of celebrate the diversity of these cultures. And now you're deep in this, right? Every, every day, yeah, I wake up and say, what are, what are we doing again? What are we doing? <laughs> and uh, is, there, is there a website if somebody wants to help or donate or get involved? It's, tax, it's a tax-deductible organization. And as we're a 501c3, yeah. um, it's olalakeway.org. Olalakeway, H-O-L-A, lakeway.org. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh-huh. And we also have a Facebook page that's very active. And, and uh, lastly, are you also a volunteer? I am 100% volunteer. You've got another gig, something. So I have a full-time job as a director of career and technical education. 
Wow. Yeah. Wow. So this is this is your side project, and uh, it's making such a difference, Casey. Oh, thank you so affecting much. so many people. Oh yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming all the way from Tennessee to share your story with us. We're proud of you. We're so happy you're doing what you're doing. No, oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. That's Casey Kerberson Alvarado from Tennessee, working so hard with Ola Lakeway. <laughs> Thanks, Casey. Thanks so much. Thank you. Wow, what a great story. Now, if by chance you tuned in in the middle of this segment and you'd like to hear the whole conversation, as always, you can find this program for free through your favorite podcast distributors or on our website, etown.org. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, Casey. What a cool story. Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area. As a reminder, for your viewing pleasure, there are over 2,000 videos on the E-Town YouTube channel, where you can also subscribe in order to stay up to date with our latest offerings. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forrester. I'd like to say hello to our listeners who are hearing E-Town right now on stations like KHEN in Salida, Colorado, on WVPE in Elkhart, Indiana, and on KACU in Abilene, Texas. As always, if you'd like some more information about any of the things we're up to here at E-Town, lots of stuff can be found at etown.org. And you can also check out our YouTube channel to watch thousands of videos that are really good. Um, we've got more music coming up from Ifa O'Donovan in a little while right now. I'll tell you about what's next. Uh, che Apalache is something that we never imagined, a bluegrass band from Argentina. Um, they got started when Joe Troop, who grew up in North Carolina and, and developed a love for bluegrass and old-time music, he began traveling the world as a young person. He eventually found his way to Spain, uh, met some Argentinian musicians there, and decided to move to Buenos Aires. and and then began teaching uh, bluegrass and old-time music down there. And pretty soon, uh, the best of his students got together, and the band was born. And they aren't simply an international bluegrass band. They are a band that makes a point of reminding us that we're all connected across borders and boundaries, as I was saying before, in any language. And despite all whatever, whatever blocks you might want to put up, uh, races, sexual orientation, we're all connected and we can do better, and that's, that's part of their message. We're happy they're here. Please welcome Che Apalache.
Why, thank y'all. Tis a pleasure. Uh, well, we got things rolling with a little candombe, murga, some musical textures from way down under, from the city of Buenos Aires, Argentina, which is where Chiaparache was born, I guess. Well, the band. Two of the guys are from there. Paul's from Mexico, and I'm from North Carolina, so we're a mixed bag. So blissful and satisfied 
Come friends, come friends, come gather round For to sing, oh sing we joyfully Let's sing about a better world Where different paths have been unfurled Of a land where freedom rings From way up high on a mountainside One can see the wide world over from way up there is plain to see Regardless of one's race or creed And hearts were all the same Come sisters, brothers, gather near For we've come to share our worry We fear what some folks have been saying About Latin Americans The truth's been misconstrued There's all kinds of talk about building a wall Down along the southern border Building a wall between me and you Lord, and if such nonsense should come true Then we'll have to knock it down Cause that idea won't fly so high as a wingless bird In a rock hard sky, so no siri, we won't comply We're going to stand our ground to love thy neighbor as thyself is a righteous law to live by. But we are seeing a different soul. They break us up so they stay strong, and ignorantly we're strung along until we meet our doom. Yes, our leaders are so ripe with sin, they feed us chance to rope us in. But someday soon we'll find, my friends, that we're pinned against the wall. Come, friends, come, friends, come gather round For to sing, oh, sing we joyfully Let us sing about a better world Where better paths will soon unfurl Where no man's blood shall stain the soul Of a land where freedom reigns That's Che Apalache. And we are just about out of time, everybody, so we are going to come back next week with part two featuring these same guests, Che Apalache plus Aoife O'Donovan and more. I'm Nick Forster. Thanks for listening to ET. This is a production of E-Town.